AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day and welcome to episode 73 of AFF On Air. It's the 13th of November 2021. A couple of years ago, Qantas introduced a long-awaited lifetime platinum status tier. In fact, long-time listeners may recall that I discussed this at the time with Mark Ross-Smith in episode 14 of this podcast, all the way back in June 2019. The bizarre thing about this at the time was that Qantas set the bar so high... The number of lifetime status credits you would need to earn to get to lifetime platinum was so huge that many people doubted if anyone would ever get there, or if there was even any point trying. Well, it turns out that there are at least a few hundred lifetime Qantas Platinum members out there, and they are real people. One of them happens to be Chris Gibbs, a member of the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum. Chris will join me a little later on this episode of AFF On Air to explain how he's managed to earn over 100,000 Qantas status credits in his lifetime, helping him to easily qualify for lifetime platinum status, and how the pandemic has affected people like him who previously were used to travelling overseas for work on an extremely regular basis. Also coming up... I'll share with you my experience of flying quarantine-free back into Australia from overseas last week. And what travel insurance options are there for international travel in this post-COVID era? That's all coming up shortly, but first let's begin as always with a roundup of the latest airline and frequent flyer news out of Australia from the past fortnight. And firstly, Virgin Australia has reopened its domestic lounge at Melbourne Airport following a lengthy refurbishment. The new Virgin Australia lounge in Melbourne features the same basic layout as the previous lounge in the same location, but the space has been given a makeover with new furniture, signage, lighting, bathroom and shower facilities. The style is similar to that of the brand new Virgin lounge in Adelaide that opened earlier this year. With Australia's international border reopening and Fiji to shortly resume welcoming international tourists as well, Virgin Australia is now preparing to relaunch international flights next month, starting with Fiji. Virgin is also currently selling international flights to Bali and Queenstown, which are due to resume next year. But with Virgin currently only offering three international destinations using its own aircraft, the airline is encouraging Velocity members to book travel on its international partner airlines through a new promotion. If you book a flight out of Australia with Singapore Airlines, Etihad, Air Canada, Delta or Hawaiian Airlines and into your Velocity number, for travel between December this year and June 2022, you can earn up to 6,000 bonus Velocity points and up to 60 status credits in addition to what you would normally earn. To participate in this promo, you'd need to register on the Velocity website or app by the 12th of December. Qantas Frequent Flyer is also running a promo this week with 30% off all domestic Qantas Classic flight rewards for travel within Australia on Qantas or Jetstar. The discount applies to the points required for Classic flight reward seats in both economy and business, and this promo ends tomorrow, the Sunday the 14th of November. 
Rex Airlines, meanwhile, is preparing to restart its Boeing 737 Capital City jet services next week after its entire jet fleet was grounded since July due to the ongoing lockdowns and state border closures in the cities where it operates. Rex has also now activated the in-flight Wi-Fi system on four of its six Boeing 737 aircraft. Wi-Fi on Rex jet services will be available free of charge to passengers in business class or for a $10 fee in economy. And as a special promotion, Wi-Fi will be free on all Rex 737 flights where it's available until the end of November. Rex says that passengers will also now have access to an in-flight entertainment portal with a flight map and some free movies and TV shows. Singapore has just made it a little easier for vaccinated Australians to travel there under its Vaccinated Travel Lane Program, or VTL, with the country now accepting pre-flight rapid antigen tests in addition to PCR tests which take longer to process and are more expensive. Singapore is also now accepting pre-flight tests taken up to two calendar days prior to the flight's scheduled departure date, rather than 48 hours before the departure time, giving people a little bit more time to get that test done. Qantas and Jetstar have also confirmed that all of their flights from Australia to Singapore will be designated VTL flights when both airlines resume services over the coming weeks and months. All Scoot flights from Sydney and Melbourne and most Singapore Airlines flights from Sydney and Melbourne to Singapore are also now VTL flights, which allow vaccinated passengers who meet certain criteria to enter Singapore without having to quarantine on arrival. With many airlines having grounded their large long-haul jets during the pandemic, there have been very few airlines flying to Australia with first class. Throughout the pandemic, Emirates and China Southern have been the only airlines to retain first-class service into Australia, although China Southern's A380 flight from Sydney to Guangzhou is currently only running once a week anyway. But several more airlines will soon join Emirates, bringing first class back to Australia. Singapore Airlines has just resumed selling first class between Sydney and Singapore on one of its daily Boeing 777 flights, and Singapore Airlines will also bring back its A380 with first suites to Sydney from next month. And Emirates too will fly its flagship A380 to Sydney again from the 1st of December, which is exciting news for people heading overseas from Sydney on those airlines. British Airways is currently selling first class on its Sydney to London flights via Singapore, which are due to restart from late March next year using Boeing 787s. And Qantas will soon return its Airbus A380 with first class seating to service on the Sydney to Los Angeles route. LA flights with Qantas are due to restart using the A380s in late March next year, and Qantas also says it will now bring forward the restart of A380 flights from Sydney to London to July next year instead of November. Qantas's A380s have been parked in California for most of the pandemic, but its first one returned to Sydney this week. Velocity's twice-yearly points transfer bonus is back, with Virgin Australia's loyalty program offering 20% bonus points when you transfer from an Australian credit card rewards program by the end of November. The bonus increases to 25% when transferring points from American Express membership rewards or 30% from ANZ. And Air Canada has now released award availability on its flights from Sydney to Vancouver, including lots of seats in economy and some seats in business class for travel from the second half of next year. These seats are available to book now using Velocity Points or miles in any Star Alliance frequent flyer program. 
but Air Canada has not yet released any award inventory on its Brisbane to Vancouver flights. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. Turn your bills into business class with the SNP app. Whether it's an ATO bill, rates, utilities, phone, school fees, body corporate or any of the other 60,000 plus bills with a BPAY biller code on it, you can pay it with SNP and earn full frequent flyer points for your credit card spend. You can use your Visa, MasterCard or American Express to pay bills with the SNP app and pay just a 1.5% processing fee including GST. There are no other hidden fees. The 1.5% processing fee even applies for American Express payments. Now that's just 0.05% more than the ATO's card payment surcharge for Amex. And with SNP, you'll earn points on your Amex card at the full everyday spend rate and not the reduced rate that you'd normally get at the tax office. SNP also has some convenient features. You can connect your emails to the SNP app and have your billers automatically added to the app when they arrive in your inbox. You'll then get a handy push notification when your bill's ready for payment. You can pay the bill on the spot, schedule it for later, set up an instalment plan or create a recurring payment. And you can even use Apple Pay or Google Pay. So it's no surprise why SNP has processed more than $150 million worth of bill payments and counting. It really is the easiest and most rewarding way to pay your bills. With tax time in front of us now, there's never been a better time to try SNP. Simply download the free SNP app on your mobile device and enter the code AFF10 on sign up for $10 off your first bill payment. That's SNP with two I's, S-N-I-I-P. For most Qantas Frequent Flyer members, lifetime gold status is the holy grail. It takes 14,000 lifetime status credits to reach lifetime gold, which is equivalent to around 1,400 ready deal flights between Sydney or Melbourne, or about 39 return business class flights from Sydney to Los Angeles. But Australian Frequent Flyer member Chris Gibbs uh, has not only well surpassed lifetime gold, he's now sitting on 106,500 lifetime Qantas status credits, making him one of just a few hundred Qantas frequent flyer members to also have the coveted lifetime platinum status tier. And he's been a long-term platinum one frequent flyer. In fact, one year he even earned 14,000 status credits in a single year. So how did he do it? Well, to find out, Chris Gibbs joins me now on the AFF On Air podcast. Welcome, Chris. Welcome, Matt, and thank you very much. And uh, I don't know if that's a sign of uh, of uh, I just had way too much time on my hands, or I should have been doing something else in in, in life. But thanks very much for for hosting us. Yeah, no problem. So, how did you get to one hundred and six thousand five hundred status credits? I'm guessing there was quite a lot of work flying in there. But how have you managed to do it, and how long did it take you to get there? Yeah, most definitely, it's it's uh, predominant has been around uh, predominance has been around uh, business and. Uh, um, Started back in 1995 with Qantas, and then prior to that, uh, I was a member of the uh, the ill-fated Global Rewards Program with ANSET, uh, and the 
Star Alliance back in, I think I was a member from 1984 and I was doing all my domestic flying with, with ANSET and any international flying, which I, I had started earlier with Qantas, but became a frequent flying member from uh, 1995 when I started regular trips uh, between Melbourne and, uh, and London. But uh, at that, from that point in time, uh, I was fortunate enough to be uh, in roles that involved me uh, working for uh, international technology vendors, uh, where I'd run the operations either in Australia, New Zealand, uh, or if not Australia, New Zealand, Asia Pacific and Japan, uh, and if not Asia Pacific and Japan worldwide. So uh, the remit I was given was where I'd have customers and partners and, and team members uh, in various parts of the world. And uh you would spend typically uh, two to three weeks of every month uh, on the road traveling. And uh, uh, given uh, Australian and either living in Sydney, Canberra, Melbourne or, or Adelaide, as I was at the time, the, the most uh, uh, opportune uh, travel way to uh, the way to do domestic and international travel at the time was uh, was through Qantas and uh, I haven't looked back since. And in one particular year, I believed you earned uh, about 14,000 status credits just in the one year, um, which is a, a lot of, I mean, that's the number of status credits you need to earn lifetime gold. Was that just on double status credits or um, nah. what, what kind of uh, travel were you doing in that year to earn just so many status credits? Yeah, without going to, into too much detail on it, I was uh, I had my own technology company and and I was one of the founders of a technology company and it was it it we we I employed a whole bunch of people that were way 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 smarter than me and and we built this uh, this piece of this application uh, that uh, some folks in the in the US wanted to get visibility of. It was in the telecommunication space and sort of 3G mobile and 4G was starting to, to, to rock and roll at that point in time, lots of interest. And, and uh, uh, so I would spend my time effectively with major telcos in the US and also in, in, in Europe. So uh, a trip that uh, would go into, say, the, the US, I'd fly to, fly to Los Angeles, head, to, head to, uh, over to New York, uh, then a seller express up to up to Boston, but then there'd be lots of travel intra uh, US on on American Airlines, and then it, it might entail uh, jumping on BA to, to to London, and then BA in and around uh, uh, Europe, maybe even down to Lisbon, across to um, uh, across to Tel Aviv. Uh, and uh, through the Middle East, then back to London, then back to the US and, and, and what have you. So it wouldn't be anything unusual in one trip, uh, depending on the, the class that you're in, and it might have been a mix of, 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 of business and economy in, in, in those days, uh, prior to premium economy coming available. But uh, you might pick up anything up to 2,000 status credits on, on one two-week trip. Uh, it might involve South America as well, so uh, they can they can accelerate pretty quickly. And, and uh, um, even in those days, American Airlines used to be pretty generous with the way, and Qantas used to be pretty generous in the way that they compensated travel uh, when you were flying on American Airlines. So yeah, uh, they, they, it was it was it was pretty weird how they'd accelerate those those numbers. So fourteen thousand, yeah. Whilst on paper today you'd struggle to achieve it, you'd be through sixty-five days. Uh, a, a year travelling and uh, up at the front end of the uh, the plane to do it, but uh, in those days you could probably achieve that those number of status credits. Uh, I wouldn't say with ease, but you, you could see how you'd do it. But mainly international travel. Yeah, and you must know some of the Qantas uh, flight crew now on a first name basis. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I, I, 
uh, in the early days, very early days, I know we've got a, uh, another contributor uh, and um, um, on the Ask the Pilot forum, uh, uh, John Bartels. And, mm, and, JB747. Uh, yeah, JB747 yeah. got the handle. Uh, and, and he's uh, – I, I, I know I have been on flights with him uh, on a number of occasions. I, I, I've never been fortunate enough to, to meet, him, uh, meet him in person, but a huge amount of respect, ex-Navy and, and what have you. But uh, – there's nothing better than wherever you are in, in, in the world, whether it be uh, Narita, Haneda, uh, could even be South America, Johannesburg, uh, London, Los Angeles, New York, and, and you walk on and, and someone says to you, hi, Chris, how's it going? Welcome back. Uh, there's nothing better than, than experiencing that, especially if you've had a rough week or, or you've, you've, you've had some challenges along the way, to have that friendly smile, that friendly face meeting you. And, and even in some cases, uh, uh, when I've been in, in, in the US and uh, uh, one company I worked for were based out of Costa Mesa in Orange County in California, I ran across the Qantas Flight Crew Hotel. I stumbled across that. I was staying at one of them at, uh, in uh, near the South Pacific Plaza there. And um, um, that was the the local hotel and the one they stayed at, and and you get to meet the crew in more of a social setting and uh, whatever. So yeah, it was it was a great experience, and I'm looking forward to uh, having some reunions uh, over 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 time. And I think we all know Nesta at the uh, at the Qantas Lounge, yes. the first class. In, oh, he's in wonderful. Yeah, and, and I'm hoping to, I'm looking forward to seeing Nesta's friendly face uh, when uh, when things get back up and running. And and it's great to see a couple of weeks ago that the Qantas First Class Lounge opened up again and uh, and up and up and running. And uh, that that'll be a, a, a it's a welcome haven uh, before uh, before your flights. Yeah, absolutely. I, I have to share this story with you since you mentioned Nesta. Um, back in April, just before the Trans-Tasman bubble opened up, I was invited to an, a media event at the Qantas Lounge in Sydney. And um, during the the presentation uh, from one of the people in Qantas management, they, they singled out Nesta as being, you know, a a part of, the, I guess, the furniture of the lounge. And when, when Nesta's name was mentioned, the crowd cheered. They 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 applauded and cheered Nestor because everyone knows him. Everyone loves him. His his yeah. Uh, yeah. Everyone loves seeing his face when they travel overseas on Qantas. So yeah, I still don't know if they're doing the Excel Awards. They used to do the Excel Awards, and you'd see the badge, and it was for a, a service above and beyond. And I think Nestor had them running sort of down his arm and everything because he had so many of these awards and so many people. But but for 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 a guy, um, I, I know of other folks that do a bit of travel and you run into, and you might be sitting in a on a plane in New York or something like that at JFK, and uh, someone mentions Nestor's name, and everyone goes, "Yeah, I know Nestor, lovely guy." So yeah. He's, he's a he's, he's, he's I think he, he should have his own page in a in a in, in a in a Qantas magazine somewhere where we do the bio on on Nestor. Mm, yeah, definitely. Maybe, maybe I should invite him on the podcast sometime. That's it. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so of course, over yeah, over all of these flights over quite a long period of time, there must be some uh, some flights or some travel experiences that particularly stand out, or um, you know, perhaps some quite significant disrupt- disruptions you've experienced. I guess what's yeah. the most memorable um, flight or trip you've taken? Yeah, well, there's 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 a few of them, and and I got to say from 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 the get go, ninety nine point nine 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 percent of flights they 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 go well and they're on time and and things work out really well and and uh, but we we sometimes focus on the ones that don't, don't either go so well or they're, they're memorable on the way. I, I I remember on one flight to Los Angeles, I sat next door to uh, and my my oldest son who's now twenty. 
uh, he uh, he was what might have been one or two years of age, and uh, I landed in Los Angeles and said, "Have a guess who I sat next to?" And he goes, "I, I don't know, Dad." And I said, "It was Dorothy the dinosaur uh, from the Wiggles." What? And so he <laughs> he had vision, and it was it was the actor who who's actress actually at the time who 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 played the Dorothy the dinosaur role. Um, uh, she was actually sitting next to me uh, on the flight. And, and, and I was having a uh, having a conversation with her, but my my two year old's vision was that I was actually physically sitting next to a dinosaur up in sixteen <laughs> sixteen A or something like that in on a on, in the bubble in in uh, the old seven four sevens. But uh, that would have been a sight to behold. It was, yeah, it it, it would have been. Um, in two thousand and ten, I think it was. Um, I was in the United Kingdom and travelled around Europe and. And uh, I, uh, this was on a Thursday, and I remember it quite quite vividly as I, I was heading up for a pretty important customer meeting at a telco, British telco company up in Ipswich, and I was on a train from London to uh, uh, London to uh, Ipswich, and uh, my chief technology officer at the time rang me and sort of said, "Hey, Chris, uh, where are you?" And I said, "On the train, going to see BT. Looking forward to the meeting." And he goes, um, "Have you heard about this this volcano?" In, in, in Iceland, and, I, and he, he rattled off this name, and I got to E, and that, the, the first letter of this ginormous name for a volcano, and, and no disrespect to our Icelandic friends, but I can't pronounce it, so I'm not even going to try. And uh, we, we, he, he sort of said, hey, look, it's erupting, and there's, they're, they're talking about closing down sort of northern European airspace, and, and uh, you better, better sort of look out for your flight tonight out of, out of Heathrow back to, back to Sydney. So, uh, no, and no, no less than 30 seconds after I, I hung up, I had the Qantas Platinum team on the phone and they were just sort of saying, Mr. Gibbs, where are you? Um, we need to get you on this, uh, on this last flight, which is going to leave at lunchtime. Uh, it's the, the 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 QF2 back to uh, back to uh, back to back to Sydney via Bangkok, and uh, I said I can't make it. I've got this important meeting. I've got to go to. So anyway, I did the meeting, and uh, I was obviously distracted. So I, I got back to London, and and my my suitcases had been packed out of my room, and in, I was staying at Piccadilly at the time. And they said, here, here you go. We we had to get someone else into your room, and. So I managed to check in, I think it was to the Sheraton Heathrow at, um, uh, at, at Heathrow and some exorbitant price was, uh, was, was demanded. And uh, I then sort of collected my thoughts and talking to Qantas and they, they sort of said, look, we can put you on some flights, but they're going to get cancelled. Our operations team are telling us that, that the airspace is not going to clear. And it was one of those, I think it was in sort of the, the, the it might have been the April time frame, and it was those crisp London nights where there's still as anything, and uh, there's there's no air running around. So there, there was no there was no uh, breeze to get rid of the, the the volcanic ash that was hanging around Northern Europe. So um, I was stuck there. And then, anyway, I, I rang Qantas and they said, "Look, if you can get yourself to the northernmost airport in in um, in Europe that's open, which is Madrid, if you can get yourself to Madrid, we're going to get you home instead of London, Bangkok." Sydney, we'll get you out of Madrid. We don't know how we're going to do it, but we'll work it. So anyway, so uh, have internet, we'll travel. Jumped online, got the last sort of seat on Eurostar on the uh, on very early on the Monday morning to Paris to Nordegard, and then uh, I, I, I I I remember jumping on uh, I think it was Eurocar and uh, getting a very exorbitant rate for a one way rental. Uh, for what was supposed to be a Renault uh, or a Peugeot, uh, one-way rental down to Madrid. 
Um, and I ended up with what I thought looked very suspiciously like a plumber's van uh, <laughs> that they, they gave me and no cigarette lighter. So I, I was using a Blackberry at the time and I was, I was trying to recharge my Blackberry and, and, and I had the map up and, and, and because I couldn't use a GPS because uh, I couldn't plug that in. And, and anyway, so we managed to uh, have a, a very, uh, uh, how can I say, uh, 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 impressionable drive uh as single driving down to uh, down to uh, down to madrid 13 hours later from from paris uh, with many uh, uh many uh um, off-road experiences uh down to uh, down to madrid uh holiday in at madrid airport and then uh, what Qantas had done during that time which was great uh they re-engineered so i could i could jump on what was then iberia uh, from Madrid to Buenos Aires, and then I picked up Qantas um, uh, from Buenos Aires back into Sydney. So it was 100 hours door to door from from London to uh, to Sydney uh, uh, with a couple of detours along the way, but uh, got back with uh, all arms and legs attached and a, and a and a very interesting experience. And but it was one of those experiences which taught me that uh, if you can't change it, don't fuss. Uh, but also the other experience, uh, uh, the other learning out of it was is that uh, absolutely amazing uh, what the, the Qantas team can can do to, to help you out. And if they know that you're prepared to help and, and go part of the, the way to, to get help, uh, then uh, it's, it's a, it becomes a fantastic experience. And that's why I'll always put up my hand and and, um, and, and support the folks at, uh, at, at Qantas indeed. Uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the Qantas team uh, who works in the in the Platinum One team, and I, I won't embarrass her, but we're uh, um, I've actually uh, looking uh, I employed her uh, during the uh, during the uh, the downtime, and uh, and because uh, the the experience of our of our Qantas service team and the Platinum One VIP team is 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 amazing in the fact that uh, they get to have to deal with some fairly difficult people. Mm. Uh, they get to deal with problems that are not of their own making, but they get to solve it. And uh, and those three sort of criteria go uh, well for any role. And the experience that Qantas gives them uh, can be used anywhere in the, in the commercial world. And we're fortunate enough to be able to help out in some circumstances. So uh, it's, it's one of those things that uh, I, I think the, the training and the experience that it, that, it, that it gives you, and it's a little bit of an opportunity for us to give back as well to the, uh, to, to, to the Qantas team that have looked after us so well. Oh, that's excellent. Yeah. I mean, so obviously, um, you know, the pandemic has brought an end to a lot of that long haul travel just for the last little while. How did you find it spending the last year and a half sort of stuck at home rather than doing all of this overseas travel? Did you miss the travel? Uh, y- yes, initially, I-, I-, I did miss the travel. Uh, I've got a-, a 20-year-old son, an 18-year-old son, a 15-year-old daughter, and the joke that they used to have is that my head wasn't going to, my head was going to blow up if I didn't get to 37,000 feet at least once a week, uh, and-, and and be able to pressurise to 6,000 feet. But anyway, <laughs> that-, 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 that was their running gag. But the-, the beautiful thing that came out of it, and the opportunity for for me, was uh, I got to experience way more things with my family and friends. Um, uh, obviously within the, the confines of what you could do during the, the, the pandemic. Um, uh, the, the, the downside of doing lots of travel is you miss lots of birthdays, you miss lots of anniversaries, significant events and parent-teacher nights and, and, and whatever. So you get to reconnect on, on, at, at that level. Um, so my, my second son had his HSC. My older son went through the uh, uh, 
uh, went through university and he's uh, he's applying to be a pilot in the Air Force and 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 watching him navigate his way through that. Uh, my 15-year-old daughter uh, plays AFL and get to experience those things. So and birthdays and anniversaries. So you can reconnect at, at, at that level. So um, I think it, the flip side of it will be is when we get back on the bus, so to speak, again in the not too distant future, we're probably going to miss our family and friends. Those things that we've connected with over the last couple of years and had the opportunity to do that, we'll probably miss that. So there'll be, if anything, probably a bit of a downside that you'll see as we come out of the pandemic. I guess a lot of the travel you were telling me earlier, um, you know, that you've been doing over the last few decades has been to meet with clients and a lot of business travel. Do you think that after, you know, we come out of the other side of this pandemic, you'll be you know back to that same sheer volume of travel? Or do you think that quite a lot of those meetings will be replaced by Zoom conferences? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I was having a conversation with my current CFO the other day and I just said to him, don't get too used to the fact that uh, travel and expenses are, are, are way low, but your revenue is still sort of substantially higher than what you'd actually originally anticipated. So your margins are, 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 are off the chart and and you get it. And I think what's going to happen is, is that uh, whilst we can do Zooms, we can do Skypes, we can do uh, WebExes and, and, and Teams and name your flavour of VC uh, app, um, it, we, we can do those. That There's a certain amount of tactility and RDI contact and that, that, that tactility is what what's missing, I think, in, in engagement these days. And, and what I particularly found is is that, uh, that uh, you, you weren't able to get in, if, if you're doing business in Japan, for example, or if you're dealing de- doing business in, in certain parts of Asia, for you to, to get a significant transaction or piece of business done, you need to go very high in the organisation. And the pandemic actually stopped that because most folks may not be comfortable to jump on and do a VC like you and I are doing. Uh, so what ended up happening is you ended up dealing with some folks that were only had a certain level of delegation and sign-off authority. So you ended up having to do more business uh, at lower average selling price to get the same outcomes, and, and that was that was one of the downsides. So um, the really cool thing that I'm seeing at the moment happening is is that as we as the borders open up and travel restrictions uh, are eased and for example we've got the ability to get back into the americas uh, uh, pretty soon and international travel can start without exemption from uh, or started a couple of weeks ago uh, and uh, i'm looking forward to hopefully in the first week touchwood of, of of december uh heading off to the east coast of the uh, of, of, of the u.s to uh, to meet up with clients and also uh um, my, my my company and the executives in the in, in the company. So very much looking forward to that. Yeah, definitely. I guess um, just a couple of final questions to finish off. Um, obviously, you've got a lot of experience with the Qantas Frequent Flyer program. If there was one thing you could change about the Qantas Frequent Flyer program, what would it be? Oh, look, I, I, I whenever I've had conversations with. Uh, uh, with with uh, been fortunate enough to run into Alan Joyce along the way. Uh, he, he 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 gets a bit of a smirk on his face, and I, and I talk about access to frequent flyer inventory, and 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 we work pretty hard collectively uh, to 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 amass frequent flyer points, and we we do travel, and and the one thing that I've said to him is is that, that as you go through your your frequent flyer experience and you go up tiers, it'd be a really cool thing to be able to have access 
without restrictions to, to frequent flyer inventory uh, as a reward for that 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 uh, uh, that loyalty. And I think that's a, that that'd be a pretty cool thing. And um, I know I get an opportunity once probably every year uh, to go on a go on a holiday with my family. And, and really, it's a celebration of what you've done over the previous twelve months. And and uh, uh, I I know we would never get there, but the the ability to go and and the other jump on the flight you want in the class you want. To the destination you want and within reason for your immediate family it could be three four seats or, or, or what have you uh to be able to you, you knew you could book at a certain point in time rather than run the gauntlet of, of okay well I, I can't get on this flight and i've got to go to that flight and and whatever so i, I think simplicity and ease of use around around that and and i just uh, I, I saw uh, recently, where uh, where inventory had been increased significantly, and I'm looking forward to hopefully being able to tap into that. And and as we as flights come back online in various destinations and holiday destinations, that we can we can start to see lots more friendly faces out there um, uh, using that. Yeah, I think there's probably a, quite a few listeners um, screaming at their phones, screaming at their computer, or however they're listening to the podcast, saying, "Yes, please, Qantas, uh, open up more reward inventory." Um, but yeah, yeah. No, definitely a definitely a sought after request. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I guess I, I also caution caution Qantas at one level and sort of say it, it's less about the concerts and the sporting events and invites, as generous as they are and as as elaborate as they are. I think they're really cool, but. Uh, if you're travelling a lot, the last thing you want to do is set, be separated from your family and friends. Uh, if you can do something uh, that involves your family and friends, that's a really cool thing and, and a mm. great experience. Mm, yeah, definitely. Well, just finally, Chris, do you have uh, just one piece of advice for people who are travelling? Yeah. Um, the, the, the piece of advice I have is, and I share this with, with anyone who cares to listen, is, is don't sweat the small stuff. Uh, focus on the things you can change, uh, and uh, all too often uh, we, and as I said, 99.9% of the flights you experience are, are great, and they take off on time, land on time, and and things happen. It's only when the exceptions happen, and that's how you handle that. And and uh, walk a mile in the the person's shoes that you're having a conversation with. So rather than sort of leap over the table and berate them for uh, for you missing a flight and and what have you, and then putting you on the next one. Uh, then just or the weather's shut down the airport or or something like that. Just have a think about the conversation you're about to embark upon. Take a big deep breath and and don't sweat the small stuff. If you can't change it, don't worry about it. Go back in and grab yourself a gin and tonic, nice glass of red or or lemon lime and bitters, whatever the whatever whatever suits you, and and just take a big deep breath. You'll feel a hell of a lot better afterwards. Oh, that's great advice. Um, well, Chris Gibbs, really interesting chat. Thanks so much for joining me on the AFF podcast today. Thank you, Matt, and thanks for your time. Hi, this is Clifford Reichland of the Australian Frequent Flyer. I trust you're enjoying this episode of AFF on Air. Are you having difficulty in redeeming your Frequent Flyer points? Did you know that Matt manages the popular award flight assist service from Frequent Flyer Solutions, our sister website? This personalized service makes it easy for you to get where you want to go for the minimum amount of points. Go to frequentflyer.com.au for more. Well, as I mentioned earlier, I was finally able to return to Australia last week from New Zealand after being stuck in Auckland's lockdown for almost three months. 
With quarantine-free travel into Sydney and Melbourne, only having restarted just last week, I thought you might be interested to know how my experience was and how the new system is working for international arrivals. Uh, In some ways, it was really quite a strange trip. I flew from Auckland to Sydney with Air New Zealand, and at the time of my flight, this was the only flight departing from Auckland Airport. So um, the terminal, the airport itself, was absolutely deserted. The only people inside were airport staff and passengers from my flight. Um, Although the flight was actually completely full, being one of the first available commercial flights from New Zealand back to Australia in months. Now, it was a bit of a strange process in Auckland and the the checks um, at Auckland Airport were very, very thorough. Um, Just to get inside the international terminal, I had to show my passport and my ticket to an immigration officer. And then when I checked in for my flight, um, they were very thorough also there checking my documents. Now, in order to fly quarantine free to Australia at the moment, there are a few requirements. Uh, Firstly, there's still the rule um, that only Australian citizens, permanent residents, their immediate family members and other exempt visa holders are allowed to fly into the country at all. Although, as I I talked about in the previous episode, um, immediate family members now extends to parents of Australian citizens and residents. Now, this requirement doesn't actually apply to travel from New Zealand at the moment, although it would apply to travel from anywhere else in the world. With the exception soon of Singapore, Australia will allow Singaporean citizens in from Singapore uh, into New South Wales and Victoria and the ACT from the 21st of November. Uh, In the international terminal of Auckland Airport, there were only three shops open in the whole place and all of the airport lounges, of course, were closed. Um, Auckland is, mind you, still in lockdown, so that that, um, is not surprising. There was just a convenience store in the uh, check near the check-in area, landside. And then once you got through security, the duty-free store was open, of course. And um, there was one cafe in the international departures area, which was getting quite a lot of business from people on our flight since it was the literally the only thing open. The flight itself on Air New Zealand was fairly normal, except of course that everyone was wearing face masks, but there was still the you know the usual meal service and things. The arrival procedure into Sydney, I'm pleased to say, was actually much easier than I was expecting, though. In Auckland, the checks were very thorough. In Sydney, not so much. Um, After landing, we had to wait on the plane and remain seated while we waited for an Australian Border Force officer to come onto the plane and make just a generic announcement, really, which didn't seem very useful. Just saying, you know, be aware of quarantine requirements that might apply to your final destination and look out for COVID-19 symptoms, you know, that kind of thing. And then there was some generic information sheets handed out. Uh, to passengers while disembarking. It was just an A4 sheet with, you know, telling people to wash their hands and, and you know, just the usual stuff, really. Um, nothing particularly helpful. Um, the duty-free um, stores in the international arrivals area in Sydney Airport were closed last week, but the smart gates were open. They've reopened, and so um, most people were just using the smart gates, and it was just the usual question about whether you'd been to um, Africa or South America in the last six days, and, um, and then you went through the smart gates. The only extra step was that after you went through the smart gate, there was a Border Force officer um, who just asked me if I'd been vaccinated and I said yes and then that was it I was able to move on he didn't actually ask to see any documentation or anything uh, from me and then after that you just collected your bags and cleared customs as normal and I was out of out of the airport in about 20 minutes from the time of the aircraft um, parking at the gate which is pretty good actually um, even in pre-covid times that would have been pretty good um, although the you know the airport wasn't busy I think our flight was the only flight coming in from overseas at that time and on the whole um, the international terminal in Sydney airport was really very quiet it is slowly starting to come back to life now but it yeah it's not quite back to where it was 
The only other strange thing about Sydney Airport last week was the air conditioning seemed to be switched off in the international terminal, and it was really quite a sweatbox in there. Um, you could almost be mistaken for thinking you'd arrived in Singapore with the heat and the humidity inside the terminal. Now, there is one final step after you leave the airport. Once you clear uh, customs and um, you are free to leave the airport and travel to anywhere else in uh, within New South Wales, Victoria or the ACT, uh, of course, for travel to other states and territories in Australia, you would be subject to their entry requirements. Um, but yeah, you are free to go home. You can take public transport to get home, um, you know, obviously wearing a mask and taking sensible precautions, of course. Um, But there are uh, two final steps. You do need to get two more COVID-19 PCR tests after arrival, one within 24 hours of arrival and another one between days five and seven after arrival, depending on whether you're in Victoria, the ACT or New South Wales. How I went down the following morning after arriving to the free community testing clinic near my house and I had no issues. I was um, tested. um, They were happy to test me and I got the result back the next morning. Uh, And I've just been down yesterday to get my um, my final PCR test and hopefully that'll be negative as well, like all the other ones have been. So all in all, the process seems to be working reasonably well. This is definitely way, way easier than um, the process of traveling into Sydney, even just a month ago when you had to do 14 days of mandatory hotel quarantine. That's now gone for arrivals into Sydney and Melbourne who are vaccinated, and that's that's really great news. But there's no denying that international travel for the next little while will still involve lots of paperwork and expensive COVID-19 tests. And that's something that I'm just going to have to get used to for now if I want to head overseas again anytime soon. And if, like me, you are thinking about heading overseas again sometime soon, you may be wondering about travel insurance. Now, this is something that I've been asked a lot about over the past few months. Australia may have reopened its international border now, but if you can't get travel insurance, then travelling overseas is just too great a risk for many people, which is completely understandable. And I have to say, I've been surprised at the number of insurers that are not currently offering international travel insurance at all. Um, Even Qantas Travel Insurance, which is underwritten by NIB, is not currently offering any international insurance policies. Um, Travel Insurance Direct, normally one of the big providers, is not providing any um, uh, international travel insurance. Columbus Direct, Insure and Go, Tick Travel Insurance, World Nomads, just to name a few. None of them are actually offering any international travel insurance at the moment. Um, And then there are some insurers which are offering international travel insurance, which will cover you for some things, but they specifically exclude cover for anything COVID-related, which could be, I mean, that's pretty open-ended at the moment. Uh, And those uh, include insurers like World to Cover, One Cover, and um, actually most credit card travel insurance at the moment excludes anything to do with COVID, unfortunately. And then there's um, Fast Cover, which does offer an optional COVID-19 like extra pack that you can pay in addition to your travel insurance, but that excludes any cover outside of Australia or New Zealand. So that's not particularly helpful when New Zealand is currently closed. And then there's Allianz Insurance, which underwrites policies for quite a few different companies, including WorldCare. Now, Allianz doesn't cover anything relating to epidemics or pandemics, but some things might apply if you are personally diagnosed with COVID-19. So they're kind of covering COVID, but also not really. Um, And with 
the Allianz policies, you can cancel your policy for a refund of the premium if you haven't yet departed for your trip uh, and you have to cancel due to a new COVID-19 border closure. So that's something at least. But there are, and this is the good news, there are a few insurers in Australia who are providing international travel insurance that does include cover for COVID-19. Now, a few of these that I've found, there there aren't that many really at the moment, but the ones that I have found were Go Insurance, which is underwritten by Lloyd's. There's Covermore, although um, there does seem to be a few more exclusions applying to the Covermore policy than with Go Insurance. Uh, and also Southern Cross Travel Insurance, which um, their travel care insurance policies do cover um, COVID-19. Although with Southern Cross, they only cover travel to destinations classified by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade as level one or two. So they won't cover necessarily travel to level three, reconsider your need to travel, or level four, do not travel destinations. Other than that, those are the main options that I've found in Australia. There's also a few international insurance companies which will provide um, international travel insurance, including cover for COVID-19 to Australian residents. One of those is Heymondo, which seems to have reasonably competitive prices, although they are in US dollars. Now, Heymondo is a Spanish company. Um, the policies are underwritten by AXA, which is a large international insurance company. So it seems to be reasonably okay, although because they're not an Australian company, I'm not sure how how difficult it would be to make a claim if you actually needed to claim anything on that particular policy. So if you can get an insurance policy that um, does cover COVID-19, unfortunately, that COVID insurance does not cover every possible thing that could go wrong due to COVID. And well, frankly, if it did, the insurance would be like ridiculously unaffordable because there's so many risks at the moment. Um, and in fact, perhaps the main risk, government border closures, lockdowns and travel bans is not covered Um so, yeah, if you are caught up in another lockdown or the government a government somewhere closes the border, unfortunately, the insurance won't cover that. Um, COVID insurance generally also does not cover quarantine that you already knew would be required. So, for example, if you, uh, if you travel to a country where they're requiring inbound quarantine, um, insurance won't cover the cost for that. Um, they also don't cover the cost of COVID-19 tests that you're required to get to travel. They do not cover cancellations if you decide not to travel due to being concerned about COVID-19. Most of them do not cover multi-night cruises. Um, you're unlikely to be covered if you are not vaccinated against COVID-19 or if you ignore public health advice, such as um, you know hygiene and social distancing guidelines. And pretty much no insurer will cover travel to countries classified by DFAT as level four do not travel. Although um, as of the 28th of October, there are now only 15 countries that are classified as level four. So most of the world, uh, or at least most of the places that Australians would, would want to go to, you can get cover for now. So those are all the exclusions. But what is covered? Well, um, there are a few things that are covered, thankfully. Uh, one of those is the cost of medical treatment or repatriation costs if you contract COVID-19 overseas. Um, you should also get cover for accommodation costs if you're forced to quarantine due to con contracting COVID-19 overseas or being denied boarding due to a positive COVID-19 test or having symptoms. So if you can't board your flight and you need to quarantine somewhere um, unexpectedly, then accommodation or quarantine costs um, would generally be covered. Also cancellation costs if you need to cancel part or all of your trip due to you or your travel companion contracting COVID-19 in Australia 
earlier. Or if um, a relative or a business partner can partner of yours contracts COVID-19, their conditioning is life-threatening and you need to attend to them rather than continuing with your trip. Now, of course, it does vary by policy. Every policy is different and some may or may not provide cover that's suitable for you. So do be sure to read the product disclosure statement carefully before purchasing any international travel insurance policy or of any insurance policy, really, to be honest. Uh, now, these are quite long documents, I do realise, and I, I know that most people don't actually read them, but please do because um, it's really important that you actually get cover, which will cover you um, if you need it. Now, if you are reading the PDS and you're finding that it's quite long and boring, which is um, pretty much every PDS I've ever read, um, you can get straight to the useful information by doing a search in the document. Um, you can do that, for example, by pressing Control F, or if you're using a Mac, then uh, Command F, and then search for terms like COVID, coronavirus, pandemic, or epidemic within the PDS, and that should you take that should take you straight to the juicy stuff. Well, I hope that's useful if you're thinking about travelling overseas. I'll also be covering this topic in some detail in um, an Australian Frequent Flyer article next week. Um, so if you're wanting to learn more about this, make sure that you have subscribed to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette and you'll get a copy of that article once it's released. Well, that's all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thanks again to my guest, Chris Gibbs, and thank you for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF on Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a minute to review AFF on Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels. Listener.